This is Jim Zub, the writer of Figment, and you're listening to Mighty Marvel Geeks. USB microphones and headphones provided by CAD Audio. CAD Audio, expression through innovation. Forgive the interruption, but I believe this requires your attention. Meanwhile, at the above-ground underwater suborbital volcano lair... Sergeant, we need a response. We're already putting together an investment. With all due respect, sir, so am I. I have a plan. <laughs> it's a big plan. It's real! Mighty Marvel Geeks. That's what we call ourselves. Sort of like a team. Team? No, no, no. We're a chemical mixture that makes chaos. We're... We're time bomb. Well then, son, you've got a condition. Your show about all things Marvel with Mike, Kylan, and Eric. What a bunch of losers. I am Groot. That I didn't know. These people may be isolated, unbalanced people, but I believe with the right push, they can do exactly what you need. Suit up. I'm bringing the party to you. And welcome to another issue of Mighty Marvel Geeks. It is Mike, Kylan, and Eric. How you guys doing? Uh, good. How about I'm you, man? Good. Doing, doing all right. Doing all right. So, um, oh, I don't know what to say, but... <laughs> sh- Agents back. are back. Yes, they are. I didn't, we're not talking to us. Oh, we haven't so, gone anywhere. They won't let us leave. Oh, yeah, not after someone takes a Gila bus out for a for a joyride. Well, it wasn't exactly a joyride. It was not the way it ended up, anyway. <laughs> well, well, you know, I, well, how about those comic picks, though? That, that yeah. was pretty awesome. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. So AAA have to charge you like extra. Uh, well, uh, apparently. Uh, yeah, and uh, our ex- our shield expense account isn't the same as the other agents, apparently. But no, because yeah. the other agents actually have money in theirs. Yeah, uh, apparently those gift cards that we got just uh, uh, aren't really uh, up to snuff. But you know, For, first, maybe first clue was above ground underwater suborbital volcano lair. Well, okay, good point. Good point. Yeah, well, you know, it's, uh, I don't know. Is it, to, to, to be fair, to be fair, uh, I, I like to see us as a specialized unit. Oh, uh, I think we're special, all right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a special unit. Yeah, and, and apparently, um, apparently, um, Natasha didn't, uh, agree. Um, anyway, uh, well, how about So, this? yeah, we got, uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D this week yes yes um so here here here's the breakdown of um of shield let's go uh, some big points that we could we could discuss uh first one i heard i heard a couple people talk about did they really have to over sexualize daisy at the beginning with her getting dressed for the episode or for her night out vigilanteing you know uh, I, I don't know about that because They've shown her topless before. Yes. Right. But doing the whole, okay, here, here's the legs, and we're following the underwear coming up to the butt. And, okay, now she's putting on her T-shirt. Why not? Um, was it necessary? Maybe not. But you know what? It's at 10 o'clock. 
exactly. on Tuesday. They are making the most of that kiss of death time slot. Don't think exactly. Of it, don't think of it as being over sexualized and oh, setting back female heroes. No, they're kind of. I saw it more as a jab at Shalonda Rhimes going, "Yeah, go ahead. You might have forced the network to put us here, but we're still going to show you up." I mean, if 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 anything, it's like. Uh it was almost like a little bit of flash before the bang hit. You know, it's like, oh, literally. Oh, seriously, yeah, because, like, oh, this is, oh, I forgot this is 10 o'clock. <laughs> so, yeah. so I, I remember, I like, there was a little bit of that shock at first. I'm like, wait, wait, hold on, though. They can do this now. And that's not to say that they wouldn't have done this back with season one if this was at 10 o'clock. I think this is the shield that we would have gotten at 10 o'clock if I, it was season one. I think so. I think so. Now, Ghost Rider. Oh, oh my. Oh, oh. Uh, you know, uh, the the skull definitely looked ten times better than the movies. Oh my god, yes. Just see, I, uh, I, I, I was still, that, I was still a little disappointed in it. I am too. It looks more. It doesn't look like a real skull. No, no, it does. No, That's it looks same. You know what it looks like to me? It looks like the version in the comics. Yeah, that you can get away with that look in the comics because you expect stylization. You expect right. things to not necessarily look like the real thing. Right. And Mike, I'm just going to disagree with you. I was kind of hoping for more of the movie's look. I, I wasn't. I, I thought it looked cleaner than the movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's why I said, it, you know, I'm, I'm glad it didn't look like the movie. I just felt the skull. To me, the skull seemed more steel-ish and, and more... Um, non-bone-like. Right. Now, if you want to go, this is a demon, I can kind of see that, but I was still... It, it just... I, 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 wish it, they, I wish they took the one from the movie and just improved upon the effects from it. Yeah. I'm there with mm. you. So, I, I will say this, though. The the transfer... The, when you finally get to the transformation scene... That was phenomenal. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Did, you almost forget about the skull. That transformation scene alone, I like. I got goosebumps. I was like, See, that, "That's where the skull bugged me." Is the transformation really? was great, and then all of a sudden, it's like, "Okay, the chin bone's longer than than the actual." This, the skull doesn't fit Robbie's head. No, but see, I think for me, I was taking it taking it as him being possessed by the demon. But I, but see, at the same time, I mean, like when you look at the other Ghost Riders, it, it didn't really look that okay. It was a stylized look, but it still was looked like a flaming skull. But this right here, I, I don't know why I was willing to give it a little bit of a pass. It seemed a little too angular to be a human face, yeah, the, and that's why I was willing to give it the. Uh, that's why it's uh, steelish. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it it, lo- it looked like it was more the skull was steel, not bone. Right. So the car. Oh, oh. my. Yes. Oh yeah. And you know what? This this episode has kind of made me want to forgive ABC and Marvel for not using the motorcycle. Yeah. I mean, the scene where the the Aryan Brotherhood guy shoots the rocket and seemingly blows it up. But it's almost like a Hot Wheels car. He just flips up and boom, there it is. Hits the ground, back running. It's kind of like, this and, is one of the most vicious vehicles I have ever seen. And then it, like, and then it flamed up because of the hit. Yeah. It wasn't already yes. flamed up. I'm like, okay, this is this is cool. 
yes. this car makes Christine look like Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Now, what would you guys think of the the uh, relationship that was starting to build between uh, Quake and Ghost Rider? Uh seemed a little forced i'm gonna be honest it's it's a little i don't know it's a little early (laughs) yeah it's kind of like the whole too soon but the fight the fight was amazing though the fight was amazing yes it was and did i call it i think i called it a few weeks ago that we were going to see well actually i think i called it as the spirit of vengeance is coming after daisy when in reality it was kind of the other way around so i was close hunting yes you were yeah because she wants him to kill her off right it's kind of like the suicide by suicide by vengeance yeah there you go um now problems in the family uh, a little bit of tension with uh, Simmons yeah. having um, the new role that she has and how everything has to go through the director. She's oh. now the sadist. <laughs> We're now, we we knew this was coming. Yeah. Okay. I mean, we can't say that this is a surprise because you knew that with the Sokovia Accords being passed, S.H.I.E.L.D. being re-legitimized. Mm-hmm. There was no way the powers that be would would let Coulson remain director. I mean, he was the rogue agent in all that. He was the rogue director. Yep. So what do you do? You bring in somebody that, quote, unquote, you can trust. That's going to be Jason O'Mara's character, even though, did you see him? No. No. Not yet. Did you you even know what his name was? No. No, they haven't given his name yet, but he's apparently a character who's been around for 40-some-odd years. Yeah. I'm just, for all we know, this is going to be like the non-ultimate version of Nick Fury. Who knows? But you have this this everything has to be shaken up. Yes. You know, cannot keep shield as it was pre-re-legitimized. And you had to break up the band on top of that? You did. I mean, because well, nobody could stay where they were. No. No. You know, Colson of course, and I don't think really Colson would mind this. Because I don't think he really enjoyed being director. Uh, no, he's a, he he preferred being in the field. Yeah. My, okay. Here's no. my question though: Does Mac at the moment outrank Colson? Probably, to be honest, might because it sure comes across that way. It I mean, might. everybody was hopping too when uh, on the. Uh, well, it's not the bus anymore. Where are they on now? Zephyr one. Yeah, Zephyr Is one. It? Yeah, everybody was hopping too when he was telling them to do this and do that. Yeah. Well, if you want to get technical, Simmons outranks everybody. That's true. I mean, and okay, y'all. I am glad that we finally have the Fitzsimmons relationship official. Yes, because now they're living together. Yeah, they, they, it, but they're still they're still apart. There, there's that wedge because she is the director's confidant. She is the director's yeah. right hand person. Well, and, and, and that brings up another interesting thing. We see um, Radcliffe's life model decoy, or yeah, like a better word. Putting it, yes. And um, when Fitz went over to Radcliffe's house and was greeted by the nude. <laughs> It's yeah. like, uh, uh, hello. But, um. Oh, it's kind of Cena. Thank you. I, I, thought it, I thought it was funny that they brought up Ultron during that sequence. Mm-hmm. They go, well, what about, you know, compare, trying to compare her to Ultron? And I said, well, no, Ultron was an android. This is a totally different. And I'm sitting there going, then why don't they bring up the Human Torch from the original Stark Expo from Captain America First Avenger? How do we know that Omara's not? Well, now, here's Omara's- a question. As the human torch? 
could they get away? Could they get away with that? I, mean, I know it's a completely different character. I know that, but because I would love to see that, could they get away with it? Well, I mean, just think there aren't could too be, many they Marvel brought, characters dating back to that time period. That's true, and I don't see why not. Well, we're we're talking. This is a character from the forties, right? If yeah. it already made the appearance in Star yeah. Expo, yeah, yeah, but they, ne- they didn't could, give it a name. No, they didn't. No, but but he, why the thing they flash is, back huh? to it? Why couldn't they flash back to it and say, this is him? They, but see, wouldn't, they, wouldn't Fox call Brand confusion, even though it's a completely different character when they still... But see, here's the yeah. thing. But, if they don't call him the Human Torch... That's true. If they if they're just saying okay well this is the guy's real name this is the the character but they wind up at some point along the way he goes full flame mode you could do that yeah I mean so there you go I mean and how, of course gonna, how's it gonna be any different than Captain Marvel when that movie comes out and then when um, DC puts out Shazam and everyone's calling him Captain Marvel within the movie they don't call him Captain Mar- they don't call him Captain Marvel anymore they just call him Shazam mm-hmm. yeah and Young Justice weren't they called on them, Captain Marvel? You know what? In Young Justice, they did. And every every now and then, like, uh, and it's weird, like, in the like on the comic splash page, it's Shazam. But, like, in the comics, it depends. A lot of times, like, like in uh, which game was it? Um, oh, gosh. In Justice, I think he's Shazam. Or Captain Marvel. Yeah, yeah. And, um, got, uh, yeah, it's just, even though it says Shazam, but in little words, it's Captain Marvel. And, like, when you pick him, even though Shazam is across the top of it, you hear Captain Marvel when you pick them and I'm like you know but they had the whole but you know they had the whole fight with Marvel over using Captain Marvel but mm-hmm. then that's the way they kind of got passes that okay he's Shazam but he's but, known primarily as Shazam. Shazam right right so I but, know, human torch I, I don't possibility. know I, I would love to see it. I mean they kind of hinted at it in was it season one of uh, Agent Carter remember that the, the one chief agent that kind of caught on fire and he mm-hmm. falls out of the window and he He's, yeah, and they yeah. kind of you know that some say that was kind of a nod because I think he had the same name as the character. They have, yeah. So, so, um, so yeah. So they bring up you know Ultron. They bring up uh, the Scovia Accords again. Um, mm-hmm. How it's pretty much wrecking havoc on everyone. Yeah, because uh, Mac brings it up, or Yo-Yo brings it up when Mac comes to see him, see her. Yep. So. Yeah, and apparently, you talk about somebody that got shafted. Yo-Yo got shafted yes. because apparently, with you know, you have to register all the Inhumans, and they're basically like lower tier contracted help. Yep. Yeah. See that that really just does not sit well with me. No, no, it doesn't. It's but see, you know, that's kind of what. It, that's exactly what um, right. Steve Rogers warned against mm-hmm. in you no know, in uh, Civil War. That's the exact same thing he warned against. Yep. So now here here's my last question. Mm-hmm. What's the box? Pandora. Mm-hmm. You think? <laughs> no. I mean, okay. It's a satellite uh, cell phone. It's and, and if he just opened the box, he kind of could have gotten off the island. Oh wait, sorry, wrong box. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I don't know, but I think we're going to find out. It's got to be... Or see, here's the thing. Because Doctor Strange is coming out in November, mm-hmm. right. this this season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is going to introduce more supernatural elements. Already see it in Ghost Rider. Yep. So now you're seeing... Uh, you would call it a possessing entity. Yep. It is 
something that, and we saw it when the Chinese mafia guys were pretty much going rogue and trying to kill their own guys. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, so I, I, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to jump a story then, uh, only because we've talked about it now. Agents of Shield will tie in with Doctor Strange, which, which why wouldn't it? Uh, right. It, it tied in with Thor. It tied in with Cap. It tied in with the Avengers. Um, according to Jed Whedon, um, he, he shared this mis- info about the mysterious box MacGuffin introduced in the premiere episode. Uh, we're introducing a different supernatural element to the MCU, uh, which happens to coincide with the release of Doctor Strange. So that's what's in the box. We can't tell you, but something along those lines. Um, so uh, I think you will be rewarded both watching Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and Doctor Strange. Uh, some questions that we're asking at the top will be answered by the film and directly after the film. We're starting to explore some of the same worlds. So, um, I mean, like like we've said before, it, it, this isn't surprising. S.H.I.E.L.D. has connected with every other film that's come out. Just wish they right. would do the reverse. Um, but this season's connection to Doctor Strange seems to be something less than uh, Captain America's Winter Soldier. Right. But will be significantly more than Thor the Dark World. Uh, Whedon is suggesting that the plot will actually turn and revelations will happen based on the film. So, um... What does this mean for October, then? Is the show going to just be twiddling its thumbs, going, okay, we're waiting on the movie to get here? You, you know, I think they... they. I would like to think that they learned their lesson from season one of uh, Agents uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I would like to think that they learned their lesson because they probably saw the huge... Re- the, the difference in the reaction of the fans pre-Winter uh, Soldier and post-Winter Soldier because right. you had two different shows, you know, right. and you know, we're, we're sitting down in the fourth season. I think that what we're going to see is probably a bit of a build-up. Like, I would like to think that this is something that's been in the plans since, I don't know, since last year. Uh, now, true, this time a year ago, they couldn't have foreseen that they would have been moved to a later time slot, but that also could open the door for them as far as being able to explore the darker aspects of the mystical world because Marvel's mystical uh, presence it can be scary at times yeah you know a lot of this stuff gets kind of it gets downright twisted Uh, so you know this gives them that opportunity to see that and then to maybe even play with it and as we approach Doctor Strange maybe there no frees them up to take it up a notch or maybe even introduce some darker characters well I think it's interesting in that early on all of uh, all the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. plot lines revolved around technology. Yes. Yeah. You had like, you know, all these uh, like the, the Hydras and the and the other stuff. Then you got into the Supers with mm-hmm. the Inhumans and the right. Terrigen Mist and all that. Well, now that's a logical progression to go more supernatural and magic. And this opens up a lot of uh, other possibilities like, okay, the each year they're, they're dealing with something that, <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yes, you see what I did there. Wish I did. Um, (laughs) So it's how do you react? Like I said earlier, you're going to, on an earlier show, you're going to have all this magic stuff floating around, and Fitz and Simmons are going to try to science the crap out of it. Yes, they are. Now, speaking of which, Elizabeth Henstridge, when discussing the box, made this quote, Fury is scared of it, and not much scares Fury. So who knows? There are certain movies coming out that could be in the same vein. Fury? Fury is scared of the box? Now, is she talking about Nick Fury? 
because he disappeared at the end of Winter Soldier, except for a brief 30-second appearance in Age of Ultron. Yeah, but you know Fury is always watching. He's on the... You may not see him, but he's on the sidelines watching. Yeah. Uh, well, could there be a line of dialogue about Fury calling into Coulson? Or could it be uh, Fury's ready to come back and will be on the show more consistently? You know, Sam Jackson is itching. He, he's itching to come back. He, he would... I mean, he loves playing Nick Fury. Yeah. I mean, it shows. He enjoys doing it. And really, he is perfect for that role. And I think the Ultimates version of Nick Fury, which is what they're using, mm-hmm. was pretty much patterned after him. It was, yeah. yes. So you talk about actors in a movie playing a character that was written for them. Well, that's pretty much what's happened here. Right. Now, here, here's a brief history of the crossovers between Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the films. Avengers, Coulson's death and resurrection are a central part of a, of a season one story. Mm-hmm. Before the Dark World, the S.H.I.E.L.D. team cleans up a library in London after the the cinematic battle in the film. Mm-hmm. Also, too, uh, we also get, which the uh, MCU exchange doesn't bring up, we also get Lady Sif collecting one of the escapees from prison. Yep. Uh, right before Uprising. Uh, Captain America Winter Soldier. S.H.I.E.L.D. is infiltrated by Hydra and ceases to exist officially. While this is a major shakeup for the show, the hinge point, uh, and the hinge point of the first season. Mm-hmm. Guardians of the Galaxy, the Creek. <laughs> oh, we gotta say that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Age of Ultron. Coulson's working on a secret Theta project as well as tracking down Loki's scepter. Uh, Theta Protocol is, in fact, the, a new helicarrier for Nick Fury, and in the movie, this plotline gets a minimal acknowledgement. Well, it wasn't It wasn't a new helicarrier. It was the old one just being recovered. Yeah. Yep. And then uh, Captain America Civil War, the Inhumans are working with... Sh- the Inhumans working with S.H.I.E.L.D. must deal with the Scovia Accords. Um, S.H.I.E.L.D. also come back as a public entity. Mm-hmm. So, um, so, yeah. What more can we cover with, with S.H.I.E.L.D.? I mean, well, we can cover some Easter eggs that were hidden away or not hidden away. Okay. Uh, For one thing, the dark, dangerous eyes, you know, the eye, the the dark eyes of those that have been possessed or corrupted or whatever you want to call it. Uh, It's a spirit. uh, I'm taking this from an article on moviepilot.com. It says the ghost of the title isn't Robbie Reyes. Reyes, excuse me. It's not him. It's a mysterious, creepy spirit that drives men to murder, which that's pretty, that's pretty good too. Um, There's a moment where May glances at Coulson and sees strange darkness around his eyes. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that that in and of itself leads to questions, well, have Coulson and May been compromised? Yeah, true. And if so, and if so, you know, who now has to save the day? But Mouse. They're saying they're saying this is a clear visual nod to Doctor Strange. Yeah. Because the villains are who are known as zealots all have similar dark areas around their eyes after their exposure to other darker dimensions. Now, this, uh, like the Mads Michelson's character, uh, Cassilius, uh, he says that the, the zealots, their eyes suffer because they have seen things men, you know, mortals should never see. Okay. So that's kind of like an Easter egg right off the bat. Mm-hmm. So when, so when you see Cassilius and the zealots in Doctor Strange, if you've watched Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., you know what's going on here. So, so in other words, Eric, you and I should have, uh, 
should be zealots considering what we've seen from the stock footage from the helicarrier or helibus <laughs> with Kyler after he wrecked it. Dude, at this point, I'm just I'm just glad that I can see. Right? Uh, he, he, I, I was I thought the camera was covered, guys. Sorry. Uh, yeah. Well, uh, second Easter egg is a it could be a revised origin for Robbie. Mm-hmm. Now, I with that. in the comics, in the comics, it's not a demon that possesses him, but rather the spirit of his serial killer uncle. Mm-hmm. So if he has made a deal with the devil, because he says to Daisy, it's like, I see you've got a little bit of the devil in you as well. And he also references a deal with the devil in the teaser for next week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the question, are they messing with his origin? I say tweaking his origin, rather, to where he actually does make a deal with the devil. And what do he do it for? The, the most obvious answer would be to uh, to save his brother Gabe from something yeah. or mm-hmm. someone. So, Or to say, you know, give me the power to protect my brother. Right. So, As opposed to the power of Grayskull. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, and something, another Easter egg or little plot point here that we didn't cover, uh, Sky has greater, greater power levels. Yeah. Yeah. But, she, but once again, like we did early on when she first got her powers, using them took a toll on her body. Yeah. And apparently, same thing's happening here. Now, she seemed to have full control and could use her powers at no detriment to her own well-being uh, while she was at Afterlife, while she was there with her mom, happy family reunion kind of thing. So the question is, what's the deal now? Yeah. Is it because she's lost her center? Is it because she's, like, driving herself too hard? Who knows? Who knows? Yeah. Uh, number four on this list is a virtual reality plot, question mark. Uh, that seemed like a an advertisement for Samsung. <laughs> <laughs> it's possible. Now, as we know, uh, Fitz and uh, and uh, Radcliffe, they're planning on using this for training. Well, that could be used to uh, to not-so-altruistic ends as well. Yeah. But just think about this. Imagine, well, Ada is an artificial intelligence. What if she went kind of like Ultron and decided to to go rogue and could infiltrate other computer computer networks especially ones that uh, were involved in immersive VR simulations. Right. So it kind of brings you into what's real, what's illusion kind of thing. Um, now, this one we did touch on, you know, nods to the wider Marvel Cinematic Universe co- continuity. Uh, so I'm not going to co- I'm not going to go over that one. But uh, there's one exploding pins, <laughs> exploding pins. Yes. That, so, that was one of the best lines in the, in the show. Yes. yes. Writings on the wall. Like, and of course, did, the, the, uh, what was this comment about? Uh, what I want to basically, I'm saying I want an exploding pen. Yeah, it's like how can you? Well, it's it? it's a standard gimmick. I mean, yeah. you've seen it in Bond. You've seen it in the Man from, from Uncle. Uncle. Well, they didn't have exploding pens. They used pens for communications. Um, but it says here that those actually did exist during World War II. Uh, intelligence agencies had exploding pens. You press the pens button, broke a vial of sulfuric acid, allowing it to drip onto potassium chlorate and cause a detonation. I saw one. At- I believe I saw one at the International Spy Museum. Yes, yeah. I was shocked that exploding pins were real. Now, how shocked were you with the shark? <laughs> what, what, did you see? Did the, it have a freaking laser beam on its head? <laughs> no, but that that virtual reality, well, not the virtual reality, just the whole gimmick of it, where you, yes. it looks like you're walking by a shark tank, and was it you bang on it, and all of a sudden the shark just comes attacking? Scared. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know that you know between that and um, getting to the getting getting to um uh, was it uh de- not detonate well I kept detonating the bomb but I was trying to defuse a bomb yeah. like it'll go 
was a bomb from a Bond movie. I success, successfully did it once. I felt good. I said, okay, that's it. I'm, but then I had to pull my, push my luck and try it again. No. Well, I, I got one, and I was happy with that. <laughs> uh, so now, who else could possibly show up in the cinematic universe at this point? And, and, and we're including Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Well, actually, it's really interesting you say that, because actually uh, connecting Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and Doctor Strange is, well, they're, they're talking about uh, the, the one character in the Marvel Universe who could do this would be Mephisto, okay? Mephisto, who was uh, who was the bad guy in the first Ghost Rider movie, was it Mephisto? Yeah, it was Mephisto, I believe, in, in the first one. Uh, and the thing is, that was, that, those movies, I guess, technically were not part considered part of the cinematic universe. No. No. no but, you know, it's like you said earlier, Eric, you know, the, the, the TV show uh, is so tied to science, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but what we're starting to see now is the MCU is starting to flirt with the world of magic. Um, and uh, in, in this article from Cinema Blend, it's just talking about how, you know, it's it's mystical and it's, unex- no, it's unexplained. And, you know, for the people who are so immersed in the MCU, who have little or no experience with the comics, the introduction of magic is very new to them, especially where everything, even the existence of um, Asgard, is to a certain degree tied to science. Um, Well, Thor said it himself in the first Thor movie. Magic and science are pretty much one and the same. Right? And and Tony Stark would go and say that magic was just science that man hadn't figured out yet, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, 10 years after 10 years of the MCU uh, is, you know, they're starting to up the ante now. And so people are speculating, you know, like who who can what what one character can show up and connect Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. to Doctor Strange. And it comes down to really just this one character, Mephisto. Mm-hmm. Uh, and actually, uh, Le- Gabriel Luna, who, who uh, portrays Robbie Reyes in uh, the show, say, uh, he said in an interview, um, we're start we're starting to toe the line an inch towards some ground that hasn't been covered, but that's a huge part of the books themselves and the entire Marvel universe and the canon of Marvel's assortment of characters. What we haven't touched on are things that can't be explained perfectly by science. It's a lot of really fun stuff that starts to lean into the world of Doctor Strange, Ghost Rider, and Mephisto, and all these other elements are also that also exist there. Like so, he Ooh, mentions Mephisto by name. He mentions Mephisto by name. I think and, that tells us a whole lot right then and there. Yeah. And and back when uh, the Defenders was just uh, more or less a concept, one of the main antagonists that was thrown out there for them to face off against was Mephisto, which points to the strong uh, me, uh, the strong metaphysical presence that we're that we know we're going to see in Iron Fist. Uh-huh. Uh, so, so you know uh, what we what we're seeing here is that Marvel has apparently doubled down, and you know they're 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 not shying away from introducing the the, the, the introducing magic and the metaphysical. Uh, I, and I'm glad about that. I think it's cool to see a different aspect, a different wrinkle to the Marvel universe to kind of maybe make it a little more akin to what we're what we 
we get every week in a comic shop, you know, uh, maybe to introduce more of a fantasy aspect to it. Uh, I see nothing wrong with that. And also, it'd be interesting to see how how this is going to affect storytelling on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, are they going to be willing to go there a little bit with a with the mystical stuff? Because what well, we were talking about earlier, how some of those stories can get kind of scary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, um, I used to I used to balk at some of the uh, Doctor Strange mm-hmm. st- uh, stories because that you know some of that stuff was kind of freaky. Yeah. And here's another thing: Mephisto in the comics has tangled with so many of Marvel's heroes. Yeah. So nobody can say, well, he's not really an Avengers villain because he was. Mm-hmm. He's not really you know a a Thor villain because he was. Right. I uh, wasn't a Hulk villain. Well, yes, he was. So it's he's kind of like a very he's almost like Loki was in Phase One. Yes. Yeah. This he could be the next Loki. He really could. And because because he is kind of cut from the same cloth, you know, preferring to uh, deceive and misdirect and and kind of not necessarily play behind the scenes, but play behind the scenes. Right. He can be very easily worked into just about any of the other storylines, right. and so he could be the linchpin of the new phase. Yeah. You mean like uh, making people who are normally work to, working together, whether for good or for bad, turn on each other? Mm, could be. Mm. He won't survive. Get down here to this to our lair. Oh, no, no, he won't. Because you no, know, well, I, we, we we got things. We got stuff. They they he won't make it down here. No. So, um, it, I, I, it's be interesting to see what they do with them. Um, I'm trying to remember. Do I have this next story, or do you have it, Eric? Um, actually, I think I have it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, I will help set it up for you so it doesn't sound well, please odd. do. Um, we know during Civil War, She-Hulk, a.k.a. Jennifer Walters, got hurt in a coma. Oh, mm-hmm. wait. Was she in a coma? Yeah, in a coma for a Yeah, she was, she was in a coma for most of Civil War, too. Um, well, while in that coma, some things have changed. And I'll let you pick it up from here, Eric. <laughs> okay, well, <laughs> like you said, you know, she's had a rough time of it lately. She spent the last few months in a coma. She uh, doesn't know what happened to her cousin. Um you know, you don't want to be the one to tell her either. So she's walked. She she wakes up, and this is uh, this is a new series that's coming out in December, uh, where you know Jennifer Walters is not just going to be She Hulk; she's going to be the Hulk. And because of the trauma that she suffered during the Civil War II story arc, um, she's she's scarred pretty heavily. She's you know, in, and not all the scars are external either. You know, there are a lot of uh, scars to her psyche. So the official, uh, the let me let me pull up the official press release. Uh, this Dece- you know, Jennifer Walters has survived the Civil War, but not unscathed. This December, she rises from the rubble, re-entering the world as a different kind of hero in the all-new Hulk number one. Eisner Award-winning writer Mariko Tamaki uh, makes her Marvel debut alongside rising star artist Nico Leon to chronicle the ongoing adventures of Jennifer Walters and bring you a Hulk book for Marvel now, the likes of which you've never seen before. Uh, following the traumatic events of Civil War, Jen is determined to move forward to go on with her life.
life. But there is something bubbling under the surface, a quiet rage. The physical and mental wounds are still fresh. That makes sense. The pain of the past and all she's lost is always there. An undercurrent, a pulse, waiting to quicken and trigger her transformation into the one thing she doesn't have control over, the Hulk. Uh, Editor-in-Chief Axel Alonso says, quote, the title Hulk implies all of the baggage that comes with that comic's 50-plus year history. The ongoing battle with the monster within and why that's why it's more appropriate for this series. Jen went through major trauma in Civil War II, and Mariko and Nico's story will deal with the fallout of that trauma, the anxiety and anger, sometimes self-destructive, that comes along with it. If there's a light at the end of the tunnel, Jen is going to have to search hard for it, and she's going to have to battle with some pretty big monsters, including the one within, to find herself again. Okay, honestly, the thing I liked about She-Hulk is mm-hmm. that there was no battle with the beast within. She embraced it. Well, there was no beast. Yeah, there was no beast. And now a lot of the issues that I enjoyed were ones that were kind of tongue-in-cheek. Mm-hmm. A lot of the sensational She-Hulk stuff? Yeah, the sensational yeah. She-Hulk stuff. And I thought that was a very good counterpoint to the Hulk, the you know the control the mindless monster that dwells within. And, and, can, and quite frankly, that concept can take you down some pretty dark paths. Mm-hmm. But I'm scared. But, yeah, but this is like, it's almost taking her and just rebooting the Hulk for in a female form. Right. right. I mean, it's not, it's not like what they did with Thor, making, you know, Jane Foster holding the hammer. Right. Being worthy. And... The fact that basically being Thor is killing her. Right. That, I'm going to give major plugs to Jason Aaron and company for whipping that up. Um, I totally did not see that coming when it came about. But I'm just wondering how much can you go back to that well, the the beast within well for Jennifer? Right. Well, I mean, because, I mean, at first, like, she was, when she started off, she was Savage She-Hulk. And, you know, and I guess it almost feels like that she didn't really come into her own until she became sensational She-Hulk uh-huh. seems, seems like to me but then again uh, I, I don't know I, my, I'm i like you like I think I enjoyed the fact that she was the <laughs> she was the lighthearted Hulk in the family yeah and you know she, she was like you know she could change at will and she preferred herself she had the curves I mean she was she, no, she said no she had the body that she wanted as She-Hulk that she could never have as well it, it, it was, was like, also, okay, no. it wasn't just a, I can change into this whenever I want. I mean, she was pretty much, well, especially during Sensational, she was pretty much She-Hulk full-time. She was, yeah. yeah. And she made no secret, or really not really any effort to keep her secret identity secret. So, no. I, I liked that. Yeah. That and was, it, those were aspects that you didn't see coming along until the Peter David Professor Hulk series. Right. right. I, I still keep talking about that, because that's my favorite Hulk arc, mm-hmm. where He's all of one mind. He's Hulk twenty four seven, and I you're like dealing with you're dealing with. Okay, now I'm wrestling with the demons of my past as a complete being. Right. You know, I'm still having to. It's like yes, I'm having to deal with the legacy of when I went on these mindless rampages. I've got to work on feeling better and being more complete and making progress as a human. Right. As right. a human being, and I guess that was something that that it may have been missing, but. I don't know. It's just, how are they going to treat Jennifer Hulk different than previous writers have handled Bruce Hulk? 
I, I, I don't know. It's um, like my my well, and my wife is a huge She-Hulk fan, huge. Um, and, and I mean, has the complete run of of um sensational. Pretty much any uh any and all appearances of Jennifer, <laughs> she has it. Uh, so you know, and that's a character that she holds dear. And one of the things she loves about Jennifer is that Jennifer is so unapologetically herself. Right. And, and she made no bones about, yeah, I, I'm She-Hulk. I like being She-Hulk. Uh, and I'm going to be a lawyer, and I can be a superhero, and I can date everybody I want to, and there's nothing you can do about it because I'm She-Hulk. And so now to see this aspect of her, I don't know. It's, you know, I have to wait a couple of months and see yeah. see what the book brings. And, you know, see what the... I don't know. It, maybe it'll bring a different wrinkle to a familiar character or or, I don't know. We'll see. And I'm sure we'll get more details as we get closer to December. Oh, definitely. Now, no no doubt about that. I know Kylan has a story that that's, he, he's excited for, and this is going to be a little different for us, but uh, a, a week from this weekend. Yeah. Or this coming weekend from this mm-hmm. show, Luke Cage comes out. Yes, it does. Who, interestingly, has dated uh, Jennifer Walters at one point. Anyway, just had to throw that out there. Uh, so, yeah, uh, Marvel has really up the Annie uh, with how much they're behind Luke Cage. Uh, uh, Art Don't Sleep, uh, and this is actually directly from Marvel.com. Art Don't Sleep presents an unforgettable evening of music at the theater at Ace Ace Hotel curated by Ali Shaheed Muhammad and Adrian Young showing the diverse range of original score created for the Netflix original series Marvel's Luke Cage. Influences ranging from David Axe Axelrod, Ineo, Ineo, Maricone to A Tribe Called Quest, and Wu-Tang Clan will be brought to life by a 40-piece orchestra. Mm. <laughs> yes. I, I don't think that that song is going to be on there, but Eric, what's the one thing that you would love to see? What is it you want? I want to see, I, I just want to see Elder Barge make a cameo in Luke Cage somewhere. I don't you know, care where. I, he could be a street janitor for all I care. I swear, if that happens, <laughs> if that happens, I'm asking for our uh, Howling Commando series. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so this special comic event is being Hosted by comedian Russell Peters and Wayne Brady. Okay? Now, Wayne Brady is a funny, funny man. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. And so, uh, tickets right now are, they go and sell actually on September. Wow. Okay, by the time you guys get this, it may be sold out. (laughs) Tickets are going on sale on uh, September 24th at 10 a.m. Pacific Time via AXS.com or by phone at 888 9 axs ticks or 888-929-7849. Good luck. So, yeah. Um, so, on, and this is happening on the 30th. So, at the same time that Netflix starts streaming all 13 episodes, you get the opportunity to kind of sit in and enjoy a live 40-piece orchestra that is going to be giving you all the awesome music on the series. Uh, now, 
along with that, apparently the uh, show will have the original soundtrack album, which is going to be available with digital retailers and streaming services on October 7th. So keep your ears open for that. So you will have Luke Cage and the eyes and also Luke Cage and the ears. Yep. So, yeah, this Showed is, is going to be... I, I mean, they didn't do... They haven't done this for... They didn't do this for Daredevil or for Jessica Jones, right? No. Wow. They did not, so... so yeah. Well, uh, it's that time of the show. That would be the picks of the week uh, with the comic book shop brought to us by the Shazbots. Well, I want to thank the Shazbots for the use of their song. Um, pretty hefty week for this for the end of the month for the last last week of the month. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, Eric, you want to start us off? Okay. Well, my first pick is a holdover from last week, and I am going to keep picking this until it finally comes out. Is this is Deadpool, Deadpool annual number one. Written by Jerry Duggan and Brian Poston, uh with this. I had to pick this because of the cover. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah awesome. because it shows Deadpool and his insufferable pals featuring Iceman and Firestar. <laughs> and the cover, the cover is, you see, like, in, I guess, Wade's living room, where he's pulling out a, a VHS tape. Think about this, but VHS tape. And it's got Deadpool, Firestar, and Iceman along with Herbie the Robot from the old animated version of the Fantastic Four. So this is a blatant ripoff, of course it's blatant ripoff, of Spider-Man and his amazing friends. The show that... Yeah, that you one. Said, you said Robbie the Robot, or Herbie the Robot? Herbie the Robot. That would have been from... This is the world's strangest accident. While testing a new rocket ship... That's why I don't play that one that often. Yeah, there you go. So that is my repeat pick, which will repeat until it actually breaks. Okay. Um, I'll take the second one. I went cool. with Drax number 11. It's written by Cullen Bunn and CM Punk. Um, Penciler is Scott Hepburn. Drax the Dragon Savior. Killer Thrill. Bounty Hunter. Violence-powered psychic. Kidnap Drax's baby dragon friend. Drax's entire motley crew from CM Punk and Cullen Bunn's hilarious, brutal run are here for the showdown. Will there be enough of Drax left to rejoin the Guardians? Or more importantly, to kill Thanos? <laughs> so I'm wondering if this series is slowly coming to an end. I haven't... It hasn't been said in... Um, I, I know the November solicits it's still there. I haven't checked to some, see if it's still there. Mm-hmm. So, mm. uh, Kylan, your first pick of the week. <laughs> My first pick of the week is a book that is ending soon, Nighthawk number 5. Uh, the writer is Jim Z the penciler and the cover artist are John Malin and I get the feeling that uh, whoever wrote this is just waiting for Luke Cage um, <laughs> since Civil War 2 tie-in it's the Winter Soldier versus Spider-Man and only one of them is going to walk away 
at which I have to admit, I think it's odd because I don't see Winter Soldier nor Spider-Man on the cover of this book. But okay, I'm going to take them at their word. <laughs> you know, if the intern says they're in that book, well, they're in that book. Well, who am I to question their wisdom? <laughs> well, sometimes you might actually be a wise man. Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> says the guy that took the uh, hella bus for a joyride and it broke down. But anyway. <laughs> did What did we learn from that? Uh, we learned that... Um, to not do it again. Yeah, not do it again. I, I was trying to come up with something wise, but yeah, just not do it you're again. Not, you're not MacGyver. Yeah. I, I'm not, and nor, nor am I. You know, really, when you think about it, it was not wise to try and show off, because isn't she dating Banner? Yeah. You don't want to make him angry, man. Yeah. Yeah. So. The, the, the yeah. last time someone made him angry? Isn't that why we end up with the Sokovia board? God, you dull creature, and I will not be bullied by that. Puny job. <laughs> okay, that little whimper right at the end always owns me. I'm just saying. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Hmm. I'm staying in my lane. Anyway. <laughs> so, uh, to get us back on track, uh, it's me, right? Yeah. My number two pick of the week. Oh, I thought this was number one. No, my number one was Drax. That's right. Okay. No, it's back to me then. Um, oh, my my number two pick for the week is Nova number 11. You know, there's a lot of 11s in our picks this week. Yes. Um, and this is another one that's going to get rebooted in December. Yeah. Uh, Nova number 11, written by Sean Ryan, penciled by Corey Smith. Sam Alexander has led a busy life as Nova, but after all of his intergalactic gallivanting, is it time to hang up the helmet? The cover is pretty nice on this one, too. It's got a lot of, uh, it's got a lot of guest stars on it. You know, you've got uh, Sam Wilson, Captain America, the Jane Foster Thor, Vision, the um, um, oh god, the uh, not not Peter Parker, Spider-Man, but um, Morales. Yes, Morales, Miles Morales Spider-Man, Ms. Marvel, and Iron Man. Yeah, it's, it's essentially the all-new, all-different Avengers. Yeah, so and, and he's sitting, and he's standing there, and he's got the gold Nova helmet in his hands. So this, it could be interesting. Could be interesting. Could it be. raised my interest enough to, to recommend it. Well, my second pick. Again, written by Chip Zdarsky. Uh, penciler is Joe Kionis. Howard the Duck, number 11. Join <laughs> Chip and Joe as they say goodbye to Howard in a very special issue that's still priced as a regular issue. <laughs> Can Howard outwit fate? Can any of us? Or is this a concept predestination just shorthand for the near-infinite factors in play that are guided at their core by free will? Guest starring Spider-Man, probably. So probably. I'm, so I'm <laughs> assuming this is that last issue. Either that or it's definitely the next. I think 12 is the last issue. Um, but this could be this could be it. A moment of silence then if you will for Howard the Duck. I, I'm not even going to play the song. You're not? Uh, no. Dude, I was so opening that up for you. I, the one it, time it, I'm it, fully expecting you to play that clip you don't play it. It, it. Who are you and what have you done with Mike? See, it would be wrong if this is the final goodbye. It would be wrong to play <laughs> Because it's it's just not right. It's a solemn moment. I, I guess you're right. And, what and was and I be, thinking? And being a solemn moment, we, we, we need to pay respects to Howard. Because who knows when he comes back pages again. So, yeah, it's just not fair to be playing. I'm such a somber, somber I, I apologize for misjudging you on that one. Which clearly I did. Uh, yes, I'm sorry. <laughs> 
that, that whole scene from Airplane where the doctor comes up and he's saying that the uh, that uh, from Airplane 2 and he's talking about how the shuttle is fine there's nothing to worry about and his nose is growing the whole time he's talking the, the that's what I'm seeing the shuttle was there three you go. I thought the shuttle huh? was on I thought the shuttle was three no there's only been two there are only two airplanes okay and the second one was uh, the second one was the shuttle yeah <laughs> I, I'm delusional I mean we, we, I, I wish if there, if there is a third <laughs> oh, oh, okay. I guess it's time for my number three. Yep. No, my number two. Sorry, my number two. Number two. Number two. Number two. Uh, my is number two number is uh Captain America, Steve Rogers. Number five writer is Nick Spencer. Sorry, Eric. Uh, penciler I is ha- Javier Pena, and the cover artist is Paul Renaud. And this is also a Civil War two tie-in. As heroes choose sides and tragedy strikes, Steve takes steps to end the war, guest starring the invincible Iron Man. Okay, my final pick of the week is, get ready and put on your shocked faces, a number 11. It is Moon Girl what? and Devil Dinosaur number 11, uh, written by Amy Reader and Brandon Montclair, with uh, Hessler Natasha Bustos. Cosmic Cooties Part 4, One Giant Leap. Moon Girl is gearing up for her biggest challenge ever, the fourth grade science fair. Dun, dun, dun. Devil Dinosaur is doing everything he can to keep away Kid Cree, and a new full moon is going to drive Lunella crazy. Wow. <laughs> okay. Well, I, I'm d- double-checking everything for October just to see, and I'm not seeing Howard. I think 11 is it. Don't even get a dozen. Man, that's know? not right. You just, at least they can go one more. I see Cage number one. I see Jessica Jones number one. I see Tiki Room. I see uh, Squirrel Girl. A uh, bunch of Spider-Man. Spider-Woman. Um, Death of X. Darth Vader's final issue. Uh, old Man Logan. The Clone Conspiracy. Solo. Not Han Solo, but Solo. Um, Is that a solo title? Yeah. Uh, Patsy, Mockingbird. Yeah, I'm not seeing it. So, yeah, final episode. Not even a dozen, as Eric said. So, uh, my final pick of the week is Star Wars number 23, written by Jason Aaron and Pinsler is Jorge, is George Molina. Uh, the rebels have pulled off the impossible. They have stolen a Star Destroyer. But why? To what end? Can they hold her together? And who's in charge of this madness anyway? Han or Leia? So, that's my last pick of the month, or of the week. I guess it's the last pick of the month as well. (laughs) (laughs) Well, then that means it's time for the Marvel Unlimited pick of the week, doesn't it? No, Kylan's got his last pick. I have my last pick. Oh, I'm sorry. That's okay. I'm Uh, sorry. I dissed you, brother. (laughs) Yes. It's, uh, I'll go back to my room. No, it's uh, Captain America Sam Wilson, number 13. Uh, Writer is Nick Spencer. Maybe that's why I dissed you. Yeah, probably. The penciler and the cover artist are Daniel Acuna. Uh, This Uh, is also a Civil War II tie-in. Um, man, I think they got paid for the word by the word for this one. Captain America versus U.S. Agent. No more waiting. Hashtag take back the shield. Mm. Yeah, I'm telling you, you're going to see the in the next time you see Captain America on the movie screen, he's going to be wearing that U.S. Agent outfit. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think that'll be awesome. Now, here's one for you. Uh, don't forget, next week we're going to be discussing 
September's book of the month, which was Disney Kingdom's Seekers of the Weird. All five issues. So check mm-hmm. that out. Um, I saw this question posed on Facebook. Uh, this, mm-hmm. I'm going to make this our final thought. Namor. Someone suggested The Rock, a.k.a. Dwayne Johnson, cast to be cast as Namor. And people are all up in arms. But he's already Black Adam on in D.C. So? So? No. Um, uh, we've had we've had people cross over. I mean, heck, uh, we had Dum Dum Duggan cross over and be uh, uh, the villain, the, the big bad on uh, Arrow last season. Yep. I don't Amy care. Dark. So long. I don't, what, look, this is the same cinematic universe. Um, more or less, that put Chris Evans as both Captain America and the Human Torch. Yep. Why is Dwayne Johnson as Namor such a big deal? Uh, what's his name? Who is uh, J.K. Simmons? It's gonna be who is Jameson? It's gonna be playing Commissioner Gordon. Right. So, um, other names that I have seen brought up as a potential casting: Anthony Dale. Cast appropriate. Make it Michael Phelps. (laughs) Joe, how about Joe Taslam? He was in uh, Fast and Furious 6. Mm. Zachary Quinto. Now, that's an idea. He's already got the ears. He's got the ears. Exactly what I was thinking. (laughs) (laughs) So, on that note, any other final thoughts? Marvel Unlimited pick of the week? Yep. Okay. Go for it. Uh, All right. I I apologize for skipping that. I thought we did it. (laughs) Well, you know, I I dissed Kylan. You dissed me. Okay, Kylan, you need to diss Mike, and we'll just make it a draw. (laughs) Oh, God. Here comes Illuminati. um, Here comes Illuminati. (laughs) (laughs) My uh, Marvel Unlimited pick this week. Uh, it ties into one of my regular picks for the week. Uh, we had you know, Devil Dinosaur and Moon Girl. Well, let's go all the way back to April 1978 for Devil Dinosaur Volume 1, Number 1. Now, this was uh, written by Jack Kirby, penciled by Jack Kirby, and edited uh, by Jack Kirby. Uh, you sense a pattern forming here. <laughs> and uh, Jim Shooter was the editor-in-chief. And basically, what you had, this is the first appearance of D- uh, Devil Dinosaur and Moon Boy. And basically, this is like taking a cue from William Faulkner. He's telling the story in flashback. Uh, Moon Boy is uh, reminiscing and recalling how he met Devil. Uh, Devil's mother and siblings had perished at the hands of the killer folk, uh, and they had used their torches to burn Devil's skin color from green to red. That's why he's the color of the Devil. Uh, The volcano erupted, sent them fleeing. Uh, Moon Boy led Devil to a stream where the pain from his wounds had subsided. And so, basically, Moon Boy and Devil kind of adopt each other other uh, because Moon Boy kind of like nursed him back to health, brought him food, and so he you know brought him home to meet the family. They ran off and pretty much left them alone in the Valley of the Flame. So yeah, it was basically you and me against the world, the prehistoric world. So as Moon Boy is finishing up telling his story, he doesn't really know that the killer folk are back and they're plotting to rid the Valley of the Flame of Devil Dinosaur by constructing a huge stake pit and setting fire to the entire Valley to drive Drevel to them. So, in case you haven't noticed, I like doing first appearances. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I like doing first appearances, especially when they tie into somebody, because uh, we had uh, Moon Girl actually won uh, an award for Best Female Comics Character. I think it was a Glyph Award, was it? Yeah. I think so. 2016 Glyph Comics Awards winner for Best Female Character. So, I kind of like having a dinosaur in the Marvel Universe, especially yeah. one with human intelligence. Yes. It's like having a, a dupe in the Marvel Universe. Perhaps. Perhaps. <laughs> but I, I, I don't think they need to do anything with a squirrel, because that'd just be nuts. <laughs> Especially if it was like, there's like a Norse squirrel god or something. Yeah. That'd be insane. Yeah. 
So, well, I think that's going to wrap it up for us this week. Um, now I'll pose that question yet again. Any final thoughts? Uh, you know, um, I want more of what Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. has to bring. If they're, if what they're serving up is what I got last Tuesday, I want more of that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I mean, if, they, if, if this is their final season, they're going out with a bang. This one goes up to 11. There you go. There you go. So, on that note, Jarvis, if you would, please. All wrapped up here, sir. Will there be anything else? Nope, just time to go dark. So, Ghost Rider looked... Man, the car is phenomenal. Okay, uh, Kylan, Kylan. Yo, yo. Go out and make a deal with the devil so we can get the hell of us looking that cool. Will you? I don't, no, I... Be a pal. I don't think he wants my soul. No, he, he saw the video footage from the Haley Buds as well. Yeah, exactly. I don't think the devil wants to... I don't think there's any amount of money that my Se- soul could be... That was. Second lesson learned. No... Don't take the Gila bus out when it's scorching hot outside. And next time, leave the clothes on. <laughs> well, I, th- I thought I was going to lead by example and maybe somebody was going to follow me, but well, you know. <laughs> that's how you attra- And that's lesson number three that you learned this week. That's how you attract Channing Tatum. <laughs> <sighs>